ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Former off-road professional Garen Fuller with his team at EC Homes, a top-notch real estate company, will help you buy or sell a home. Visit our website, echomesforsale.com, to get a free analysis on your home. Please mention ATV Talk for a 1.5% listing fee. Visit echomesforsale.com. Make sure you let them know who sent you. Mike Walsh, how are you, sir? I'm doing real good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, thank you for coming on ATV Talk. I really appreciate it. I know that you're a busy man, and um, I'm betting your season is starting already, trying to prepare for the motocross nationals. Yeah, it's um, it's in full swing right now. Um, a lot of the team's getting ready. That's awesome. That's awesome. Looking forward to another great year between uh, Chad and uh, all the other boys. Yeah, it's going to be some epic battles. I mean, this is the first year where I think we're going to see some changes up in the front of the pack. Um, a lot of strong kids out there. Um, you know, it was the Chad Weenan and uh, and Joel Hetrick last decade, basically. And uh, maybe maybe some of these other kids will mix it up. Who knows? I was watching a video, and I don't even know where it came from. And Bryce Ford, that yep. kid was on rails. I've texted yeah, he, forth with him a little bit, but man, that kid was, he was flying in the video I've seen. Yeah, he's, uh, he's the big talk this year, for sure. I mean, there's a few other ones, Max Lindquist, um, Alan Myers. There's some fast kids out there, but uh, Bryce Ford is getting the headlines right now. That's awesome. Hey, let's talk a little bit about um, Mike Walsh, since uh, you're the guy. Uh, you've had quite the stellar racing career yourself. Hey, yeah, um, I was going for it. You know, uh, it's a passion of mine. I just um, always wanted to race something. And uh, when I was eight years old, my, uh, my dad bought me a uh, TRX 125 actually for Christmas. And, um, that's how it all started. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Where was you your, know, first we, race? Uh, what's that? Where was your first race? Ah, uh, uh, funny, uh, Southwick motocross three, three, eight. Um, yeah, <laughs> real cool. Southwick, uh, Massachusetts. Um, good times. I mean, uh, you know, it was uh, just me and my friends riding in sand pits, uh, seeing who was the fastest guy. And we decided, me and uh, my one friend who I'm actually still close with, uh, he's done real well in, in life. And uh, I look up to him, actually. But he, he wanted to, um, Josh Vacatura, he wanted to um, – race so we looked it up and we we had we both had uh 250 r's so uh, i had a, we both had 86 250 r's and actually he's still 
he's actually starting to build, uh, you know, doing like uh, restos where uh, they're starting to uh, put all these 250Rs back together and restore them. And uh, he's selling them and he's doing it uh, on the side and making, you know, having a good time. So, um, yeah, we raised 250Rs at Southwick. That's how it started. That's so cool. That is so yeah. cool. You're not, you don't seem to me that, that you're that old. Um, you're in your early 40s or, or late 30s? Yeah, I'm actually 44. Really? Yeah. Would have never yeah. guessed, man. You look young. <laughs> well, it's racing life, you know. Um, I don't look that good, dude, and I, I've been around a while. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, after 40, I mean, I, I watched the uh, Joe Bird um, podcast, and uh, he said after 40, things just all started to fall apart, and I feel the same way. Um, you get, you know, you get 40, and and uh, things don't work like they used to. Just wait till you hit 50, buddy. <laughs> Hey, I got to ask this. Um, Have you talked to Chad about his new diet? The uh, 2021 diet? Oh, the 2020 diet that made a total change in his life. And if he's made adaptations to 2021, oh boy, look out. Well, I mean... 2020 came and Chad was real serious. Um, I, me and Chad go way back and, uh, definitely a great friend of mine. Look up to him as a person. Um, I mean, there's very few competitors like Chad, but he told me that he, um, went, uh, to back to the drawing board and he, he really put in, uh, a lot of effort on the machine and on his body and mental prep and everything. And, you know, you hear these guys and I don't say, you know, these guys loosely with Chad. I mean, I mean, uh, but you hear people say, you know, they're going to come out swinging and what that Chad Ween and whatever he says, you got to respect because he did. I don't know his whole uh, diet for 2020 or 2021, but I do know he did a lot of homework and it paid off. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't believe uh, when he told me it was vegan based, um, you know, with, with some supplements that, that blew my mind because everything that I've ever been taught and learned, you can't do it unless you're eating some type of protein, you know, beef, chicken, fish, you know, things like that. And, and um, I, I, I hope to have a conversation with him at a later date to, to learn more about it. You know, I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. And, I talked to Chad and and he said he, he wants to, uh, he wants to be on the show. Uh, again, I did, did you guys do, uh, do a show with him yet or no? Yes. He'll air next Friday. Okay. Yeah. So, um, when this comes out, no, when this comes out, he'll have already aired. Um, okay. I'm I'm cool. Yeah. Yeah. Chad. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. My mom's vegan and my brother's vegan. Um, but my, um, my fiance is actually a, a, a trainer and, uh, she's like a physical phenom and, uh, she, she's, she believes that, you know, meat's a very important part of the diet. Um, 
But hey, uh, whatever works, you know. Everybody's body's different, and I'm not going to tell him he's wrong in any way, shape, or form. You know, seven-time national champ. Buddy, if you want to go vegan, I'm going to back you a thousand percent. Right. No, I'm 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 right there with you. I, I can't get it. You never can go against Chad Weenan. <laughs> you know, I, I was seriously because I'm I'm on the sidelines. I'm a fan watching it from a massive distance. And I was looking at Joel Hetrick when he won, and I'm thinking, who is gonna beat this kid in the next 10 years? And then 2020 rolled around and the COVID and all that. And as the year progressed and I see the change and the speed and Chad and just the youthful drive. And I was just blown away. Well, that's what gets me with Chad so much is that he, he, uh, he, he always finds a way to stay motivated and, uh, and, and it, and he ne- he doesn't get burnt out. He hasn't got burnt out. And if he has, he's rebounded somehow. And, you know, I worked as a, a kind of like a crew chief uh, when Chad's team was real, real big and real strong for a while. I, I helped him in the pits and in the background. And um, he's just, I don't know. He's uh he's one of those guys that, I've really never seen. I mean, he pretty much he runs that whole program, and not not only just running the whole uh, Wiener Motorsports program, but he also does ninety five percent of the wrenching. And you know, when I say when I say that, he builds all the machines, he builds the motors, and uh, I can remember when we put the first when when uh, when he got the Yamaha deal, he came down to Walsh Racecraft and. Um, and Ryan Cox, he was a big player, and um, and and Walsh Racecraft, the shop. We were all there together, and we worked on that program for I don't know three months solid, and um, you know, and 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 then after after the first year, Chad pretty much took off with the program. After that, I mean, it it's still the same basic program but he's made a lot of tweaks and squeaks to the entire the entire deal but he hasn't strayed away from his big supporters maxis you know malaska um just walsh racecraft of, of you know i think he's still with fly uh ssi the, you know uh you know rats in there that you know everybody who was in that in the initial startup is is pretty much still there. I mean, he's added a few and he's changed a little bit of things, but the core, the core is still there. And that's, that's pretty impressive to not only the, the industry as a whole, but, but also to Chad, uh, you know, staying loyal to those people. And uh, that's cool. I, I, I respect that. That's cool. And he's able to win on it. And, uh, and that's what, what we're here for. I mean, you know, Duncan international, uh, you guys have been around for, I mean, when I first got into the the game, you guys were already there, um, you and your brother, and I guess your father, right? Yep. Yep. Right. So that's how Walsh Racecraft started, too. So I really, I have a soft spot in my heart for family business. So um, especially working with family, I, I've been working with my brother since pretty much day one. and. 
I can't say that he's a fan of <laughs> I can't say my brother's a fan of um the whole gig, but he's been there the whole time and um he's uh still pushing. So, you know, my mom's heavily involved. Um, you know, my fiance keeps me straight and I think that you need that core group of people and that's what Chad has is that core he has a core group of people and He's still winning, so I don't go figure. Seven-time national champ. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want it to make it sound like uh, I thought Joel was a slouch, but I. I don't. I think the kid is phenomenal. Young, fast, uh, has a bright future. Um, I because I because he's still young and he's still fast. So I. I want to. I wanted to get that out there. I, I just was impressed because of age. You know, as when I was young and, and first into it, you, when you were a young boy. Um, you know, I thought youth could dominate age. And as I got older and I started seeing the champions and the fast guys in our industry were all older. The kids weren't the dominant force. The older guys were. No, it takes the, I guess, uh, dirt bikes a little bit different. I think they start younger and, uh, but yeah, the ATV guys develop, a little bit at a, a slightly slower rate, I believe. Um, there is a lot of talent out there this year, and and there has been in the years past. But most of the champions have been seasoned vets for sure. Well, I mean, there's rarities like Jeremiah Jones, who was a young champion. Unfortunately, his career was cut short, but dude, he's he was a, a super fast guy. And there was a couple other young guys that that came through there. But you look at the old iron horses like Bird and Gust, you know, um, uh, Wimmer was a young guy, too, that was pretty fast. Um, but some of these older guys, you know, Denton was nobody realizes how old Denton was when he won his last title. He was 38 years old on a two stroke. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so yeah. how old were you when you raced your last race or have you raced your last race? Yeah, um, well, so actually I started racing a few years back uh, down Dade City and um, local when uh, the SSQSA was racing. We we actually had a Suzuki laying around the shop, LTR, and I felt real good on it and I started practicing and I raced that. But as far as like trying to really compete, I think it was about 20 eight ish 28 ish 20 28 29 is when i called it quits i had some um i had some soul searching to do and um i my my dad strongly wanted to move from connecticut to um to florida and uh you know i didn't have to go but i wanted uh family's the most important thing to me so I wasn't staying. So, um, <laughs> we all went to Florida and, uh, and at that point I'm like, Hey man, I got a chance to try to, um, grow my business. And, uh, that was my real passion. I mean, I loved, I loved the racing and I loved the riding, but what I knew is that was going to be short lived. And the other thing I knew is that, I just wasn't 
a Doug Gust. You know, um, we were racing against Doug Gust, the Tim Fars, the, you know, the Shane Hits. Uh, really, Shane Hits a, a, it was a, he's a lifetime friend of mine. And, and, you know, Doug too, and, you know, Joe Bird. And, you know, I was racing with all those guys, Keith Little. But I just knew that my spot was, my spot in the sport was um, in the shop, really. I, I love the racing, but it was uh, one of those things where I knew it was going to come to an end. And I knew that I could create the way I wanted to create um, right out of my, my own doors. So I uh, took it more seriously and actually a uh, good friend of mine, uh, Walt Baum, he, uh, he was the only person that moved um, to Florida with us. Uh, he worked for me in, in Connecticut and he helped me get the shop going in Florida. It was me, my brother, my mom, my dad, and Walt. And Walt doesn't work for us anymore. He went, uh, he went union and, uh, different endeavors. And, uh, but that start that we had was good. And, uh, we continued to grow from there. And, um, so that's where I do. I think I do my best work is, um, the creating part, you know, trying to develop better parts for these guys to uh, race with, you know, I, I find a lot of satisfaction, a lot of satisfaction in that. I love uh, going to the track and, and talking to these clients and these racers and, and these friends of mine and um, just uh, trying to shed some light on, Hey, what, how to get these guys to the front and have fun. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a family, it's a family environment and it's a good environment and uh, it keeps a lot of people, you know, out of trouble and uh, gives them something to focus on. And I, I, I love it, you know, and I, you know what, nothing really replaced the racing for me. You know, after I stopped racing, I started riding street bikes. I uh, got a couple of Hayabusa's and started doing some street riding and some um, drag racing, but I actually raced the pro star race and uh it was the inter intermediate class there it was like a, I didn't do too well I went out first round but um it you know I tried to find something the passion and I never could replace it I really still to this day have never replaced I mean I ended up um having some good races uh Bud's Bud's Creek I finished third behind uh uh Gustin Jones um, in uh, Moto One in uh, the pro class, and I was riding my CRF, narrow frame Walsh CRF. It's my my favorite bike I ever had. I did a lot of work. I did a lot of a lot of good riding on that. Got a lot of good racing, but nothing's ever really re replaced the actual racing. But you kind of, I guess, you just kind of move on. Well, you. you your business took up some of that, your creative juices and creating new product. Um, you know, there's innovators in our industry and you're one of them. And that takes, that takes passion in its own right. And I think you might underestimate that a little bit. Um, you, you know, we use a, a lot of Doug roll stuff out here and, and you and Doug are, our icons in our industry for what you guys do and the, and the knowledge that you have and the, the levels and the things that you guys create is, is unbelievable. 
Um, you know, I, I haven't worked with as much of your stuff, but dude, it, it, you can't deny there's something golden there because of your success. Yeah, actually, Doug, uh, I've actually become good friends with Doug uh, through the Phoenix, the Phoenix Honda, the David Eller um, campaign there and uh, the Joel Hetrick. And Joel's a good, good, uh, good friend of mine. And I, I really can't say enough about Joel. He, like you touched on him earlier, Joel is a, an amazing, I mean, we were racing with Cody Gibson and that's Cody Gibson told me and Cody Gibson. I mean, he was, I mean, he's a big part of my heart. We, we did a lot of racing together and he was a phenom. He was, there was not too many, there's probably no, not many people have ever rode on his level as just pure raw talent little scary at times, but everybody lined the fences when Cody came to the gate, you know, but um, yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, back, back to the, to Doug, I mean, we became friends and I respect his work. Um, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of his designs, but I respect him as a fabricator and I really like him as a person and he's just a cool dude. He's a California. I don't know many California people, but if I had to say what a California person was like, I'd have to say it's like Doug. I mean, he's got the flannel uh, shirt on all the time and uh, it's got the comb back hair and uh nice guy, nice guy, very knowledgeable guy. Like he, he, he's a uh, very, passionate about he's more of a he's a little more technical of a person i believe than myself i'm a little more um i don't want to say crude but i'm more artistic i believe and he's he's maybe more technical but i always looked up to him when i was starting i mean you got to realize i was 16 years old on the floor of my dad's shop creating looking at pictures of Doug Roll stuff and Mark Lager stuff and even JP I don't know if you remember JP and, oh, yeah. and, and Lone Star so it's uh there's a lot of history there I mean there's even more builders there's been tons of builders I mean now it's a different story now but through and and people don't even I mean I was actually I don't know if you know Zach Decker but Zach Decker was driving through town last night he owns a his family owns um Decker training facility which was the old county line beautiful facility Zach is an amazing rider but you know Zach I had uh old CRF carbureted O2 hybrid in my shop for a good friend of mine Tommy Tantillo and uh he came by and he was blown away by this vehicle he's like and i'm like yeah that's 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 i you know i built this in 02 and he's like you built this in 02 i'm like yeah i mean it, so these these kids have probably have no idea that you me people like us even rode never mind raced never mind even having any success they have no idea and i think that 
these podcasts and what you what you're doing is it's history and um there's there's a lot that people have really no idea and it's kind of cool because you can say you know we me and you both been doing this our whole life and you you longer than me but you can actually say holy cow we have like a we have like uh, almost like a lifetime invested and through that lifetime there has been change and there has been growth and i think that's where you get history from so i i it's it's fun oh it's dude i love it i would do i would not want to do anything else um i'm having withdrawals from going to the races and being a mechanic and building race bikes i, I mean you know the passion, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can see it on your face right now. And, you know, I do believe that there is a huge gap in the, in the youth of the ATV industry because they're thinking that what they're doing, they're the first ones ever to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess there's some, goodness to that because if you think you're the innovator you're gonna push and I think that may be what keeps people creating but yeah so I had I mean you're right and I have I have a lot of stuff in my head that I'm gonna release with time and money but (laughs) it's all about time and money you know I've got some crazy hybrid stuff I'm going to come out with um, hopefully in the next year or two. Um, I don't know. The shop went through a major transitional, I say crisis, but I don't really think it was a crisis. My dad passed in 17. And when that happened, everything changed. And except for actually, except for me, my mom and my brother and my fiance were, and there was a couple people left, but we just went through a lot as a shop and as a family. And I, I, it was a difficult time for me, very difficult time. And I've been like, I didn't miss a race from when I was like 16 years old to when I was like 41. I, or when I, the last year I wrenched for Chad and he won the championship, his sixth time champion, I actually handled the wrenches for him that year. And I told him, Hey man, I love you. I love racing, but I, I got other things that I need to do. And one, and that, that was to really focus in on my shop. I had such a, a monster of a shop going that if I stepped on a banana peel, I mean, things could have got really hairy real fast. And so I just been grinding for the last couple of years and um, really kind of living a really simple life. But like you said, you miss being at the track, you miss the people, you miss wrenching on a bike, you miss watching your, your rider go around the track. And I missed that the last couple of years. And I, I'll probably get to more races this year, but you know, I, like I said, a lot of things have changed and, uh, and I'm kind of focusing mainly on the shop just to keep everything rolling. And you know, that does happen. And, and I don't think that, that the people that, that expect us to be at the races understand that we spent so much of our life 
at the track, doing the things that we're doing, working on our trade, uh, watching our creations do the things they do, that they forget that there's a whole business back at the, that, that nobody sees. And there's uh, things that need to be done and new products that need to be developed and old products that need to be refined. Um, and, and I just don't think that some of the consumers or even some of the racers even understand what we go through because if you're going to go to a race, it starts, the stress starts two weeks prior and the workload doesn't slow down because you're still doing the shop work. You're still getting ready for the race. You get there, you leave to go to the race. And then when you come back on that Monday morning, you're back to work, working on the shop jobs because it didn't stop because you went to the races for the weekend. You're a hundred percent correct. It's overwhelming. And if you have the right staff in place and the right people around you, it's doable. But if that's not in place, it's really not feasible. And so we backed off, but because we were racing, I mean, I can remember Duncan, big setup, Tavis Kane, uh, Travis Spader, um, definitely a hero, an icon. You don't hear his name much, but I mean, he's done anymore. He's done him. He, the doc, I mean, he's an amazing rider. I break, I mean, so, so to take you back to where, you know, when I said Southwick and I said, I didn't say district, district, um, 34, which was, uh, Again, yeah, Jolly Rogers, but District 34, which was like New York, and we were all racing up there. And I mean, I mean, I might say this name right now. It actually almost my heart goes out to him, but uh Todd Viscovi, he was a big competitor of Travis Spader's and and Todd's past. He actually he actually uh, it was um, an MX ATV accident. But he was, I mean, he was third in the country uh, with all the big dogs, you know, Doug Gus, Tim Bar. I mean, there were some big names up 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 north, and you know, we were, we were all racing up there together. And um, but you know, it's 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 been a lot of time that's passed, but I can remember the whole Duncan setup. I mean, you guys had a first class setup, and to do that year after year after year, it it really takes a lot, just like you said. Well, and plus we were on the West coast and everything was on the East coast and that makes it even harder. <laughs> that makes it nearly impossible. Nowadays it is, so, you yeah. know, with, with life, you know, um, back when we were doing that, I had little kids at home and you're spending your life on the road and then you're home, but you're spending your life at the shop because you're not at home because you still have to do the work that you didn't do when you were on the road. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it's so uh, let me ask you a question. Um, so at Duncan, you handle the office or in the mechanics and, and Lauren handles the engines. Lauren runs the engine facility. Um, it's private from our retail outlet. I do the office. I do the shipping. Um, the service work, motors in, out, tuning, uh, you know, set the break in, break in up for the customer, you know, 
um, ordering all kinds of different stuff. I wear, you know, a hundred hats and I do a little bit of everything. I'm not a fabricator, um, but I do a little bit of that. Not much, but a little, um, because there's always something that, that needs to be done. Um, have I done engine work? Yeah. I've worked in the engine facility. I mean, that's where we started and that's, uh, not my forte, but if, if I need to go in and help Lauren, I, I can. Um, but I'm, I'm a builder. I, I mean, how, how do you explain it when you, your passion is, is taking that pile of parts and building a race machine that's, that's going to go do things that nobody ever thought it could. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, you get the right combination, you get the right bike, you get the right ATV along with the right rider and suspension tune up and engine package. And, and you can really have a, a beautiful site out there. You know, um, I, I've been fortunate to work with many amazing riders and, uh, I mean, Nick DeNoble, uh, Cody Gibson, Jeremy Lawson was phenomenal rider. Um, that was just that was just in house. Um, you know the the in house riders that we had, but you know, and then you go, you know, out into the country, and there's tons of different guys you work with. But those riders are just so talented. Uh, you know, even Parker will work. Uh, he's not only a great rider, he's a great friend and uh he he's a funny guy and we've had some just amazing stories on the road. And um uh, these riders, these kids are just very talented. And you know, I know Chad and Joel and all these people want to see the sport grow and so that these kids can chase their dream and 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 uh, we as manufacturers we're riding the wave. I mean we're at the mercy of the AMA's rules. We're at uh, the mercy of the product of the, you know, the, the ATVs that are coming out, you know, and, and, and that's a whole nother subject, but uh, the whole, the whole AMA and, you know, when Suzuki came in and that whole movement, uh, there's a lot to be talked about there, but well, let me ask, um, let me ask you a question. Yeah, you're kind of the leader in the hybrid era. You know, Leger did some good stuff too, but but you've done a lot of roles, done a little bit. But you your hybrids are are probably more well known than most people or anybody else. Um, do you think that we should go back to race and hybrids? Well, I. I'm very passionate about this whole subject and I, I have, um, I'm trying not to be too opinionated the last couple of years, but my personal, my, I don't think we ever should have went away from the hybrids. I don't say we shouldn't have made a pro production class, if you will, but I don't think we should have stopped the development of the American ATV uh, racing machine. Personally, a lot of people will probably hate me for my opinions on what I think as far as, you know, everybody talks money, everybody talks 
all this stuff, but I'm a creator. Like that's, uh, this is what I, I am passionate about. I want to build stuff that nobody has, you know, and, and, and I want to put this stuff in people's hands that, that, you know, can do great things with it and have a lot of fun with it and build it with their kid maybe and, and, and teach their kids how to build something from the ground up. And I don't know if that stuff even goes on anymore, but it used to go on. And uh, now everything's cookie cutter. And honestly, I get bored. I'm, I'm bored (laughs) of cookie cutter. I mean, this year is going to be, and Yamaha will probably hate me for this, but this year is going to be the worst year yet because almost every guy is going to be on a Yamaha and a ATV pro um, pro ATV racing. And that's great for Yamaha. And it's great for Chad. And who knows if it's great for the sport or not, that, that will, that will, you know, but we don't have a Honda Yamaha battle now. I mean, Brandon Hogue, I'm not taking anything away from Brandon. He could, you know, he could win races. He's capable of it. Wesley Wolf. I think he's going to be on a, Honda, he's capable of running up front, but the reality of it is, is there's a lot of Yamahas out there. And, and, and back to the question, I, I like to create. So I look at it. See, I came from the drag car. I came from, well, my dad, he was, um, you know, he was, he was, everybody said he was ahead of his time for where we were, but I mean, he had a, he had a small block Vega with a Lanco running nine sixties in the early eighties, you know, and that's not where pro stock was, but he was, I mean, he was a family guy that owned a, uh, a strip mall and a speed shop. And, but you know, that's where my roots are pro mods, pro stocks, you know, drag bikes, you know, and, and, and the reason I'm saying this is anybody out there that, that knows this stuff, knows that every single part on those cars is handmade everything's handmade and 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 you got your jerry haas's your don messes he 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 passed he was an idol of mine and that's why the the walsh race craft it was don ness race craft that's i was i was 14 years old drawing pictures of pro stocks and 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 thinking about this business that i wanted to create I can remember I was at my mom's coffee table and in her blue and my in our blue house and and I wanted to name it Mike Walsh Racecraft and my mom's like, you might want to rethink that. You do have a brother and he might want to be involved. So I ended up naming it Walsh Racecraft. But <clears throat> you know, as far as the hybrid thing goes, I, I like to create. I I want every single part handmade. That's that's where I come from. People don't want that because it's um it's expensive, but. You know, I, I think we've stunted the growth of the ATV because of no, and, and I know I understand there there is a mod class, but but it's it's not a credible. All right, so when when we were first doing this back, I think oh three, there was pro, and then there was. Pro production and pro production was Tempar, Doug Gus. They were on Z400s and 400Xs and this stuff. But then that class became the premier class, and then the hybrid class went away. So that left for a long time. 
Um, now you're, you're, you're seeing your Zach Deckers, your, your, um, he's very fast on a hybrid. There's, there's Alan Myers came off of a hybrid. There's, there's been some fast kids on, on some Walsh hybrids, but yeah, getting back to the question, I think that we could really make some really cool stuff if more people invested into the movement. And I say a movement, there is no real movement, but into the hybrid, the deal. And, 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 and just for the record, personally, I want a hybrid two-stroke class, personally, because there's nothing like firing up, and you know this better than anyone, a two-stroke and smelling that Maxima castor bean <laughs> oil or whatever you're burning. And... And that just brings back the memories. I mean, maybe it's only for old guys like us, but I don't really think so. I think everybody would get a kick. I mean, I wrote a, a four, I wrote a LED Puma 425 and a Walsh chassis and a TT Walsh chassis. And I, and I, this just happened. It's actually on my Instagram, but not the ride, but the bikes on there. And, and this thing ripped and I had a smile. I mean, I was just, I was like a kid in a candy store. I took, you know, first, second, I, I like second, third, fourth gear and a wheelie and, and, and the noise that it made and the, the smell and the, and just the way it was just really cool. And I'm like, man, we need to bring this back. We need to bring, I mean, really though, the problem with that whole two stroke deal is you got the LT 500 and you got 250 R you got to have a Callan balanced motor. You can't be put in a, YZ250 or CR250 or even a CR500 in a quad chassis, it just don't work. It, it, you need that counterbalance. But the funny thing is, is I heard and I researched it, the new 300 KTM electric start fuel injected counterbalance two stroke. I think it makes about 45 horse or something. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested. I, I want to build one of those because it's cool. And I got some other hybrids coming out too with different uh a plat a different platform. Right now we're using the LTR platform because I feel personally that's the best ever ergonomics and geometry for the most part. I'm I'm not a TRX fan. I if anybody's wondering, I I don't really like the TRX at all. Yes, they make good great power and they're probably great for desert racing and but as far as for Moto, I don't think it's a great platform. We came out with a lowering kit back in, geez, 08 maybe, and that helped it a lot. It was uh, one inch. It takes the entire body and it moves it one inch down. When we came out with that, I mean, everybody had to have it. Now it's just what you do. But the Hondas are phasing out. So, yes, back to the question, I would love to see a hybrid class and maybe even a hybrid two-stroke class. I think it'd be cool. I, I have wondered about that KTM motor um, and wondering why more people haven't entered into to, to, to working with that. My problem is I just can't stomach KTM. People may hate me for that, but I just, <laughs> I just freaking can't swallow. I can't swallow KTM. Dude. I just can't do it. Um, it, it, it. I heard rumors and this is rumors that Honda was going to come out with a enduro style 300 motorcycle. 
And if that Two was seven. the case, if they did that, okay, you you take the Honda and then the KTM, and now you have a, a legitimate platform for both to build them and and put them head to head. I I don't think that Honda's development um, is what it used to be. Um, like you said, in the old days, Honda was your, your, your starting block. Um, LTR did change it. Yamaha did change it, um, for what West coast stuff with the off-road and with the, uh, desert. Yeah. You're, you're fighting an uphill battle when you roll a Yamaha out there, um, because the Honda is just the technology for the, for that environment is better. Um, yeah, I can see your your point in the motocross stuff. And I love the way the LTR turns. Just flat love it. I mean, that we do a lot of uh, asphalt, concrete, final tuning. And God, you could get that LTR to turn inside the width of a, of a driving lane. And that, or inside the width of a parking spot. And, and you're at speed, you know, you're going 40, 45 miles an hour, maybe faster on the concrete, and you can just get it to pivot right around in that parking space width, which was incredible. And you could get the LTR, I mean, the YFZR to turn not close, but not the same. Uh, the only other one I could ever get to turn that tight was an 88 250R with stock tires on it. Yeah. You know. Man, you know, that 250R platform, we got one in the shop right now, like I was telling, that's 250R. I mean, it's the, it's the 1967 Corvette. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I get it. it's the one, man. But, you know, those days are over. But, you know, I really like that LTR. It's, it's just, I mean, it's an amazing, I mean, Wayne Henson, I, you don't hear his name as much anymore. Um, person I look up to great guy did he helped me out um a lot Wayne Meridian from PEP he's helped me out learn learn a lot of stuff from Wayne Meridian but um, Henson's really got an amazing company there and Henson was a big part of that Suzuki program and that LTR was just it's 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 a you know the sad part about it is the parts are expensive I mean, almost every pro is running an LTR spindled front end, whether it's a rocket spindle or a Lone Star spindle or a stock Suzuki bodied spindle. It's based off of a Suzuki LTR. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a great platform. I do really like the Yamaha platform. I do like the modular style frame i have strong opinions on all that stuff um you the public will see some some walsh platformed yamaha stuff hybrid probably not promising anything but i'm really looking at that platform going into the future just because the LTR is becoming a 250R, really. Um, it's becoming dated. So 
the YFZR is still making forward ground. So I may look into that platform for my, 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 my newer hybrids, but there's no dates. There's no promises. Well, everybody knows Walsh spacecraft. You ain't going to get a straight answer. I mean, it's just <laughs> the way Hey, I want to ask you a question about something that we've been sitting here talking about old stuff and, and I want you to tell me the story about Pendezvous. You built a machine and took it over there mm -hmm. and you were on fire. Yeah. Um, that was one of my big races. Uh, actually the whole story behind that was I, I actually built a KTM 525 for Matthias Briel, Briel, uh, German guy. And uh, I had a 525 after that, that I raced in the Pro-Am, the Open Pro-Am, and I won Glen Helen. I won, I won like a lot of races that year on that bike. It's a good bike. But the funny thing about that thing is I honestly think my 03 CRF was faster than that 525. Not faster, but accelerated quicker. That that high that 420 that that CRF was fast. But the you know you can't beat that that. There's no replacement for displacement. You know once that. Anyway, so we built the 525 for Pontevu from Matthias, and he built it over there, and we came over. I did this twice. The first time, and I have a terrible memory, but the first time didn't work out so well. I think it was me, Dana Creech, uh, Jasmine Plant, um, Denny from Germany. But anyways, we ended up, we ended up, I think we just, we broke. I, we, we didn't do well at all. The next year we came back. And we were, I don't know if we, were, we we finished better than any other four-stroke I believe ever finished. We finished second. And I was on a KTM 525 Walsh hybrid low frame 250R platform. Um, and we were rolling. We were, we were, we were second. We would have won the race, but we had, and you could say we would have, we would, you know, it's all, but had we not had the side cover gasket blow out and the thing started leaking, it was a brand new stock motor, KTM, and you said you don't like KTM. <laughs> but that day I didn't like KTM, but we we had we changed the, the side cover gasket. When we went out, we still we still finished second. It was um it was me and uh Jasmine Plant, uh German, and I think it was Denny, and I rode six hours are close to six hours. It's a 12 hour race. And, um, we were going, we were, we were, we were, uh, we were it, it was our day, but yeah, we finished second. Yeah. I, I still remember getting updates about that race and you guys were dominant and, and fast. And, and, uh, we, we all thought you were going to win and couldn't believe that you didn't. Yeah, we, we, you know, you should have, would have, could have, it was um, still a great experience and a fun, ra a fun, really fun race. And, you know, honestly, there were some really fast riders over there. Um, um, I think his last name is Mason. Um, but it was funny because when I went over with the boys from the U S to wrench 
and help that team with chat with Chad and Thomas and and um and Jeffrey the one year and and Joel but I I I still saw some of those guys I was racing with and they were still racing right I was like you're still racing and you know obviously I was probably 27 six at the time they were probably 19 or something but uh, Joe Mason, uh, who's a very, very fast European or, um, you know, rider. I saw him over there and he's still, he was one of the flagship riders. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, man, you're, you're, you're still going, man. And was he it, was about 40, you know, or 39. Was it, or Vander, was it Will Vander, Vanderlin? Will Vanderlin? I don't yeah. know. If you remember that? He was in his late forties when I was going over there in my early twenties. Right, right. And then you yeah. know Paul Windrow. You know, these yeah. guys are they're still monsters, man. Um, but yeah, that was a great race. That's I only went twice. Um and then uh and you know we we raced um the USA race, so we went back to Europe for that and that and I was wrenching at that point for Chad and helping out Mark Baldwin and those guys and AMA Harv on that whole deal. And, and that was real cool. And I heard Thomas talk about that when Thomas said that that was one of the most memorable races of his career. I was like, that kind of touched me because I was able to be a part of that with Thomas and um, cool. That was cool. I mean, Thomas wasn't, necessarily always a Walsh racecraft rider. He did ride a year or maybe two uh underneath the Wiener Motorsports label with with Walsh. I think he won his first race with Walsh components on the Yamaha and that was for Wienan. But he was uh primarily not a Walsh rider, but just to be there with him and him and, and him say that that was pretty cool. I I, I thought that was that was uh, a good you know, thing we have dreams and, and, uh, I got to be a part of the 2000, um, Travis Spader win. And I wasn't the mechanic Paul Turner was, um, I've always, always desired that, that crown, you know, I got to go back with Doug Eichner and, and I won three open class championships with him and, and an open class championship with Spader and, but I never got to win the premier class as the wrench. And, um, it's one of those things I'm, I'd still almost sacrifice something to go do it, to, to have a shot. Um, and, and Chad and I were talking about the, the, the designations and I was like, God, I would, I would love to go be part of that. Just, you know, Maybe I'm not the guy. Maybe I'm just freaking a helper, whatever, just to be a part of it. Uh, you know, uh, and and um, he says, dude, you ought to come over as a media guy. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm not a media guy. He goes, I'm a media guy. So yeah. that kind of hurt a little bit, but, you know, I, I guess I am a media guy, but I'm, I'm my, my true love and my passion is, is building and working on bikes. So that, yeah. There's more to that reason why I don't like the KTM stuff, and 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 I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to trash uh, a manufacturer. 
but they did something to us at Pendezvous the last year I got to go and it was just, it was just dirty wrong and uh, hurt our chances to have a really good ride. Uh, yeah. Granted we were in a Polaris chassis and there was already defects and already problems, but uh, you know, we, we were trying to put together a team for Eichner and, and uh, the French guys over there and, and just the things that happened were just wrong, you know, but it is what it is. And you can't go back. I never should have, I never should have got the information that I did, but I got it. And I wish I wouldn't, wouldn't have, it would have, it would have taken that defeat and, and been able to swallow that pill a little easier. I understand. And, uh, sometimes ignorance is, is bliss, you know, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't, I've worked with a lot of manufacturers. I work with can with Can-Am's factory. Uh, I know you have too. Um, yeah, I worked with Joe Bird on the Honda pro project. I ran the team with Lawson with, um, his factory Honda effort. And then we got to do the monster energy Cowie effort. And then, uh, that's the thing we raced from. Oh, we raced from 06 all the way to, I can't even remember, but the last year was with the noble, but you know, we, we ended up, we ended up, um, racing too long. We should have quit earlier, <laughs> but it's, uh, definitely an addiction. Why do you say you race too long? Oh, well, you know, it, we did it. We did it. It just, it just became, it became financially uh, a burden on the shop. Oh yeah. That's why. Cause when we were having, when we had the, the Cowie deal, we had, um, you know, Jimmy white and the boys, um, you know, we had a little bit of support through Cowie. So you could, you could justify it, you know, it, but, and then we had support through Honda. You could justify it. Everything was, looked like it was moving forward well then in 10 you know or 9 or 10 when suzuki pulled out everybody started pulling out and we kept racing you know we, we had you know we had a peter belt toter home and a 40 foot trailer and we had dreams and we were going for it you know and and, and i don't regret any of it but it definitely was um a burden on on the shop financially and, and mentally and um you know, I talk, I, I, I listened to the Thomas Brown podcast and he talked about, you know, he was making money, but he really wasn't putting any money up. You know, I mean, cause we got to look at stuff like that. I mean, we're all getting older. We need IRAs. We need investments. We need, you know, but all, all my investments went back into ATV racing. And so basically it's just been this revolving door of, uh, of technology and money and, and, and heart and desire. And, and I'm not saying, Hey, look, take everything away from the sport and go invest it into a, a fund or something. But I, I am saying that you do have to look at the future and by racing that long. I mean, we weren't making any money at that point. I mean, we, we had, you know, Fox, we had, you know, Hoosier, we had met, you know, at some points we had Maxis. We, so we, we had support, 
but but it wasn't offsetting that you know number wise of what we were spending right and that's you know you look at the decision that lauren made to to not go back east anymore and uh it was a finance total financial decision you know i mean it's just we just financially the company couldn't carry the burden any longer you know the industry had changed uh the the the, the part sales had changed you know there were you were developing new machines and and it, it just totally changed our world um and then the series on the west coast started you know we started developing more stuff in baja and things like that and then you know best in the desert and then work started so there was always something to do you know we got to race and we didn't have to spend you know, 18 hours, 20 hours for two or three days to get to the races and then find a place to leave your rig. And, and then the investment for the rig that you need to do that, you know, I mean, you know how much they cost, you know, and, and yeah. so, so at, at first I didn't agree with him. I was pissed, you know, because it's, that's, what, <laughs> that's what I love to do, but it wasn't my call. You know, he had to make the, he had to make the business choices I had to make the choices to put in the time and the extra effort and all that. So was it the right choice? I think it was, you know, because if we would have kept down that road, it probably would have financially changed the future of Duncan racing, especially when the financial crunch came in, uh, eight, nine and 10, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that, that if we would have, if we would have kept racing, through the early 2000s uh, in, in back east and into the middle portion, it probably would have, we probably, I don't know if we would have made it through then, you know, but he made good business decisions and put money in places for the company that, that, that kept us rolling when, when we had the dip, you know, and, and, and that's for has, sure, you know, it hasn't helped it, us, you know, the, you know, I, I, I work closely with these racers and I, there's a push pull to the whole thing. I mean, you, you look at the, hey, you look at the pro ATV stuff, you look at, you know, water seeks its own level. So it is what it is, but it's, it's, what we're doing when I say we're, I'm talking about people like you and me. I tell people we're doing something that cannot be done anymore. This, and when I say that, I mean, we're doing small time manufacturing in the United States of America. It is not easy. Metal prices are going through mm -hmm. the roof. Um, I mean, they, you know, now they're talking about minimum wage and you're, and, and you know, you know, I talked to, you know, Doug roll and, you know, in these California based companies, it's, it's even, it's even worse for them. I mean, we're lucky we're in Florida, but it's the, you know, the cost of doing business is, is, is up there and, and we're doing, we're, it's a recreational sport, really. A few people are, are making money doing it, but it's, it's tough. And, and we all have choices. We don't have to do this. Um, we choose to do it and it's been good for me. And I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it doesn't mean that it, that it hasn't been, it, it's been tough. And I've used a lot of, 
I've used a lot of my family's resources getting, getting to where I'm at. And I'm not too proud to say that, you know, I've had a lot of help to fulfill this, this dream of my, of mine, which, which is, which, you know, you talked to Thomas about being the, the star or, uh, you know, the, the guy you called it. And, and, and it's, and, and it's tough. I mean, when you got, and that's what my family's done for me, we've all kind of pushed for this Walsh racecraft dream of, um, small time manufacturing and being a part of this ATV racing, um, deal. And, uh, like I said, people are like, Oh, why don't you go side by side? You know, everybody's like when side by side came out, I mean, Dana was a big side by side guy and, and, and that's right. It, it, it has gone well, very well. But the fact of the matter is our shop, our platform of business, we are too small to tackle a side by side market. And luckily I think that I had enough brains to see that. And I said, you know what, Mike, you better just stay right where you are and just try to dominate this ATV deal. And because that's what I felt was my best. You talked you talked about Lauren making the business calls. I felt that if we couldn't keep ATV parts on the shelf, how are we going to develop for side by side? And we never have, we actually, we started with the Rhino. We made an effort but then we scrapped the project and we pretty much scrapped side by side and we've just continued to push and it's been good for us. And um, I'm glad we did that um, because we were able really to um, get a better stranglehold on this ATV market by streamlining. And, and that's, you know, what you have to do and, and the way our company works, you know, I mean, we're an engine building company. That's what we do. That's how we got where we are. And right now our engine facility has more engines in it in the almost 50 years that we've been in business today than ever before. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and we run it and we run a smaller crew than you could ever imagine, which I don't think you can, I think, you know, you know, we're, we're locked into my dad's 85 years old and he's still working in the engine facility with my brother. <laughs> well, God bless that whole setup, man. If we could all be that lucky um, to be working with our family like that, that's, that's awesome. It's a testimony. And, you know, I, I know God, you mean, God willing, it continues. I know you mentioned your dad and I feel, you know, I feel for you. And I, I, I wish that that didn't happen. And, and, you know, you, you can't undo things like that because I know how much my dad means to me. And, and, um, every, every day we talk developing something or, or machining something or taking something apart every day. I mean, it's not, it's, right. it's a, a, a once in a while thing. It's an everyday conversation of, at some point and um right and and that that that's what i lost when i in 17 when i lost dad he was my mentor and my the person i turned to for my development and i think a lot of people thought oh man walsh racecraft's and gonna we're done because dad passed and 
I had a couple heavy hitters in the shop go separate ways. And, and we were looking, it was looking grim, but you know, and I don't know how I I'm, I'm pretty spiritual, but like, I was just like, you know, I ain't letting this, this puppy ain't going down on my, I told myself I'll work 24 hours a day. <laughs> I'll outwork this deal is what I said. And, um, but you know, I had good support from, from Beth. I had good, great support, you know, from my mom. She's, she just would do anything for her kids. Uh, you know, Nate helped me and, you know, and we pulled together and, and we, we righted this thing and, you know, and honestly, I can proudly say that 2020 was our best year. And, uh, and, and, and it's really, and, 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 and I always say God has a plan because I know that my plan is only so good and uh sometimes you need a little help from the big guy but dad was always my backbone and and he still is i talk to i still talk to him every day and i talk and mom helps me with all the financing she she pretty much runs the office and she's 71 now but um you know i have good good support i have a good support system with with beth and 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 nate and even the guys at the shop, I mean, we don't have right now, we're not dealing with uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, but um, we got a good uh, team, you know, so now we've got a good team and, um, and we, and we know, we, we know we, we have a good product and we're, we try to prove that every day. And we've come out with a lot of products in these last, in these dark times in these last few years that, <laughs> I touched on a subject here, but um, we've come out with a lot of great products and, and, you know, and, and they've been run through Chad and, and Phoenix and we're, you know, we have a good, good relationship with Phoenix. They've kind of seen real strong. They're switching the Yamaha, but you know, we, we developed uh, the reverse three, the motocrossable reverse three wheeler, which kind of went silent uh it was hated it's hated on um people don't like it <laughs> which people say oh the first walsh flop hey, it ain't over yet it, it ain't over yet i i uh it's a lot better than people are making it out to be and um the fun factor is a 10 and uh i think you know when the first when, the, when, when they say when the, you know, when the second car was made, that's when the first race was, you know? So if we could get two Scorpions out there, two reverse motocrossable three wheelers, I think we'd have a race, but I work a little bit with BVC uh, and they're doing the modern day trike. I don't know if you, you know, know are, yeah. you're into that, but uh, we're a distributor for them. But they make some cool stuff, and I built one for David Eller, and that bike was sweet. I mean, really sweet. It's a 2020 CRF. Really cool. I mean, this stuff's coming back, but the reason I did the Scorpion was because I wanted – I was bored. And people are like, oh, you can't even get Walsh parts. 
look at these ass. I mean, excuse me, look at these people making, you know, they made this and I can't get my steering stem or I can't get my, the customers are what keep us going. I love all my customers and and we want to serve them best we can, but I also want to serve the world and I want to serve ATV motocross. And I, and I just feel like the sport was just, it's just stagnant. Like I said, the whole, it's all Yamaha, you know? And I was like, you know what? I, I have this idea that I want to make and, and there's a lot of R and D and I've learned a lot of things from making that that I've actually crossed over into, in, into the four-wheeler, you know? So there's a lot of crossed um, technology and, 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 and it's me creating again. And, and I know I got slapped in the face and I know a lot of people, I know there's a lot of haters out there, but I think before you can shoot, my dad once told me you got to lose big, big money if you're going to make big money. And I, at the time I'm like, that makes zero sense. But after taking a, a butt whooping, you know, in, in the mid, my, my mid, mid life here, I totally know what he's talking about now. And I learned a lot. And now this, this, this Scorpion, call it a success, call it a fail, call it whatever you want. I, I think it's a success. And I really think that there's a lot more that can be done with it, with, time and money but i put the project on the side and we're not we're we're not messing with it it's sitting in the showroom at the shop actually it's sitting on a dyno but um we will we will it will be back and and it, it will turn some heads um in the future but we've got other creations that we're coming out with that I really want to keep the ATV motocross world going i want to win races and i want to do all that and we're going to do all that but i also want to create other things um as well and and i don't want my the customer base to say that we're wasting time and we're, and we're but there's a couple different sides to walsh there's there's production there's cnc you know i'm, I'm when i first went to yoshimira when, when wayne wayne brought me out to yoshimira um henson and um and we did some some development out there and you know i, I looked at yoshimira and i you know i was you know 20 years younger or whatever and I, and I got a huge building over here for R&D and they got a huge building over here for production. And I was blown away and talking about like Cannondale. I, I went to Cannondale to do some stuff with those guys and, 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 and seeing their facility. So, you know, Walsh is, is still much smaller than any of those companies, but you know, we, we, you know, we're, we're about 10 deep right now. And, um, you know, when production's running, I can step away and I can do some creating. And that's, that's kind of what that is. That's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, good luck with that adventure. Um, I've only got to see pictures, you know, I've never even seen a video of it in action. So, but that, that's still innovating is innovating. It doesn't matter. Um, I do have a question though, beans that you are a builder and an innovator and you've built hybrids. Have you ever thought about reaching into one of the factories that may not be um, selling an, a, a sport ATV and getting a power plant from them and building or working out a deal to build a production bike? Because you only need 25 of them. Is and that what you need, 25? You only need 25. 
I thought it was a hundred. Mm, well, I could be behind the times. Um, I know that KTM got away with zero, got away with it with zero. <laughs> well, you know, I've been strongly thinking about that stuff, and that's what I mean about getting the public motivated. If we had more supporters for the movement, I've been asked by numerous people, "Hey, what would it take for this to be a production bike?" That's a great question. Let's call up AMA Harv. Let's see what it would take. You know, here's my thoughts. Like I'm into aviation. I do. I like to fly. So, you know, general aviation playing small, but there's this thing called, uh, uh, um, you know, experimental. So basically, um, say you made a plane and you sold it to me in pieces and then I, the end user put it together and got an end number and went out and flew that plane. Well, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, we, this is doable. We're doing, we can do easily do 25 frames. And that's a whole nother story a year. But you know, um, when us Highland, you ever hear of them? Yeah. Okay, so U.S. Highland got us to develop their 950. People don't even know the story, I bet you. But they de we developed the 950. It was a V, a beautiful motor. A be I still have the motor. I have the shell of the motor. But anyways, they came and they flew in and they, they landed at, at our airport in town. I took them out to the local restaurant Long story short, they saw the build, they liked it, they okayed it, we kept moving forward. They flew out and they're from Tulsa. Well, they never made it home. They crashed about two miles from the from the airport. My heart sank for them guys, Matt's Mumber, um, you know, the, the the four people on board. But that was a, going to be a big deal for us. Um, they were talking about we were going to be a production bike at that point. Walsh Racecraft chassis was going to be underneath of a U.S. Highland. That's what was going to happen. That deal died. Um, so I'm very interested in that question. I would love to get with a manufacturer that wanted to create a pro level. The problem with me is I only want to do it the best, like the best that I can do it. So I'm going to give it my all. So I'm not going to have to. So if we get it, I want to do it. I, I want to try to do it the best we could. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're going to build a machine that you've already went out and developed it and you're rolling it out of your showroom to a customer that comes and purchases it purchases it from you to go to the racetrack and it's a pro level machine built didn't built and designed totally for racing because i've always thought about why don't we do this ourselves other than you know time and money right what are the two number one things that you don't have time and money so if you because yeah, honda sells motors for other things yamaha yeah. sells motors kawasaki suzuki all of these companies sell motors for other things so if you get a 450, let's say you get a CRF 450 motor, a specific year, and they develop, you know, the, the process for you to buy X number engines over a period of time, and you develop that chassis and you develop that product, 
and that's what you sold them. Okay, let's say you go to a, a the 08 version CRF motor and Honda agrees to build them for you and it's a carbureted CRF, you know, and that's what you chose. Then that's what you would roll out. And AMA, depending on their number, the, the real numbers, I don't know what it is, would have to accept that as a production machine. Yeah, I, I think it's very doable. Um, let's just put it in perspective. There's, there's a, the tree a hundred. For Yamaha. Huh? It would shake, shake the tree for Yamaha. Oh, yeah. yeah. Their chassis yeah. development. Right. There's a hundred. Um, well, I call them the modern day hybrid. There's a hundred. There's over a hundred of those out there right now. We built over a hundred of the modern day. But are, they, hybrid. but are they different power plants or all the same? They're different power plants. Yeah. But I'm just putting that in, in perspective and we're not even trying, you know what I mean? We're, we're building as we get orders. And like I said, where can you race one? There's a couple classes you can race it, but people aren't really going for the hybrid because they have to make a switch to a production bike once they go pro. So, right. Most most people are looking at the Yamaha or the Honda, you know, now. So so you know, if they did open the doors to to and which they're not gonna right now, because I've I've got some inside information on that, but if they did, I, I don't even I don't even necessarily want I don't even care if we have we can race the production class, but give us give us a class that we can create and that's got a little bit of prestige, you know, that's not just a, Oh, throw the hybrids over there or something, but like it was, it was a prestigious class where, but it's all speculation. It's like you said, time and money, but I, I would love to, to get with a manufacturer or, or just like a company, like, like our company and your company, you know what I mean? Get a, get a, get a mag group together, get a, a group of, a group of companies together to come and create, you know, like, okay. So say that, you know, the, the F 40 Ford and the F 40 or Ford and the Cobra, when they released right. the Cobra, that was a European based platform, I believe with a 427 side oiler in it. So, I mean, all this stuff is doable, but we just need, we just need a heartbeat. You know I mean? We need somebody like us to be like, let's, let's do this and, and actually make a push for it. It's, it's all possible. You know, you got to get the, you got to get the masses behind us and, and people to buy them, um, you know, draw your concept. Uh, granted our concept would change four or five times before it actually hit the trail, but, or more, you know, if you're like me, you build the first one and you go, yeah, I don't like that one. You built the fifth one or the sixth one and you go, yeah, that's what I wanted the first time. Dad yeah. always said three, it always took three, three <laughs> times. <laughs> My dad says build the fifth one first. Fifth one, okay, yeah, there you go. But yeah, so um, yeah, I, I think it's it's very doable and, and it would take development, but um it, it's like you said you, you gotta here, here's the, the the reality of it these production pikes are going for huge money call up one of these top riders and ask them to sell you one of their bikes new you 
you'd have to go down to the bank and 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 remortgage your house. I get it, dude. I build them all the no, time. No, seriously. And they're saying that the hybrids are too expensive. You see where you see where I'm I going with that. They're not really that much more expensive than a pro level Yamaha. I get it. In reality, because you're basically changing every not every, but a lot of the parts, anyhow. Yeah, you, you have know. to to race a pro level quad, you have to do so much change work, whether it be a Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki, whatever it is, you're de- you're dumping so much cash into it. It's unbelievable. You know, and that's 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 the fun of it. I mean, I see not some of the fun of it. You know, it's funny because um because these kids like um um we have uh kids in our family, a couple, and one of them's 18 and 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 he just wants to buy something for his car. <laughs> Whether it works or not. Yeah. Let's buy a new exhaust. Let's 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 buy some new rims. Let's let's do some. So half of the fun of it is 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 customizing it. You know, you want a Duncan and you want. You know, you want a Duncan exhaust. You want to, whatever happened to my man, Curtis Sparks, good friend, mentor of mine, Kurt, you want a Curtis Sparks racing cylinder head. Uh, who knows? You, you, right. But you want to customize it. You want to build it. You know, so nothing's ever going to stay stock. I realized I come out with the stock class this, last year, this year, a couple of years ago, and, and I get it. I, I didn't necessarily agree with the class, but I didn't disagree with it. And Chad and Thomas, they're all pumped up on the class. And no, I, I get it. So, so say if I wanted to race, I could go out and buy a bone stock quad, put a kill switch on it, Nerf bars, and I can go out and race. Cool, I, and that's awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm with it. And like Chad was saying, you know, hey, Mikey he says these guys, they're not, they're gonna, they're gonna start with the stock quad, and then next year they're gonna go to the A arms and shocks and the engine package because they're gonna get into it. So I get it. You, you need an entry class. You know, everybody has a good idea. Yeah. I truly believe that. I believe we all have good ideas. You know, some may be better than others, but so the stock class, I believe, is a, a good idea, and I believe it's it's a it's a necessity. Um, but I also believe that all, everybody wants to modify their toy. I, I agree with the modification. What I disagree with in our industry is there's no developmental classes anymore. You have guys. I'm with you. That's what we're just, yeah. Yeah, they need to go back to, hey, if you're a beginner, you got to ride a stock bike. If you're a, a, a C rider, you can do these mods. If you're a B rider, you can do these mods. If you're an A rider, you can do these mods. When you get to the pro class, you get the cake. And until then, because right now you got kids that are winning races in B classes on pro level machines because they went and bought a pro bike from somebody or their dad has a lot of money and it's, and they're smoking the field because of the machine, not because of their skill level. I mean, that's, that's a whole nother subject. I, I agree. And, and I don't want to have biased opinions. Like I don't want to be like, because I do have biased opinions, but you're not getting away. I realize that, that everybody has our, our, a spot we all and and that's a good idea too that what you just said it that that makes sense i mean it's it's um 
you know, the thing of it is, is, is people are worried the sport, you know, is going somewhere because, you know, factories pulled out. I don't, you know, you look at sprint cars, you look at, you look at all these, I don't think the sport's going anywhere. I think we got a strong aftermarket. I think production could even come back. Yamaha's still in it. So I think the sport's got a good baseline. Um, but yeah, I mean, cooler classes would be, or, you know, to, to what you're talking about with, with the different mods that you can do per class. I mean, I never thought of that, but it, it, it sounds cool. I don't see why it wouldn't work. The biggest problem, you'd have so many people complain in the beginning. But as the development started and these kids started developing skills, your pro classes would grow. Your purses would grow. Your industry would grow because there's also a sponsorship level. A beginner guy doesn't deserve a a 50% discount because he races. I'm sorry. You don't deserve a discount (laughs) that you race. You know, I mean, there's don't get me, do not get me started. Don't get me started. You know, but you have to earn the right to get the discount. And, and nobody realizes that if you're getting a discount from X, Y, Z Walsh company, you better be wearing the t-shirt, selling the A-arms to pay for that discount because they're giving you money because you're not spending it and they're taking money out of their pocket. And I'm getting on my soapbox here, but God, you know, the, the, I race, so I deserve something. No, you race, you don't deserve anything. What have you done? What are you selling of mine to justify me giving you a discount? Just because you race doesn't mean I, you I, I know. It, it, it's it, the the one thing I have to say is I agree totally with you. I, I have a whole I could open up a massive can of worms on that, but what I really want to look at here is I really want to talk about like like the the grass the grassroots because remember when we started this conversation you said where'd you first start i said i started district 30 uh, district 338 southwick listen if i wanted to go race a four-wheeler right now in florida there's very minimal options you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so i think we need to look at the the grassroots as a company as a um I know California is different, but East Coast, like, like you're not necessarily going to go out and buy a four wheeler or and race and go chase the nationals. But you know, so say a guy like me with with say a family and uh, and um, in a job, and I wanted to go race on the weekends. I don't I don't know if I could do that in Florida. Maybe I could, but. Um, I just don't, I don't see that the, and, and a lot of these tracks have shut down ATVs. The, the motocross guys have, have complained. And I think the insurance companies, and they, they didn't want ATVs. And a lot of these tracks have shut down. You can't ride an ATV at a lot of these motocross tracks. And I think some of them have back reopened to, to quads and I'm not sitting here complaining, but I do feel like if you can't ride at a motocross track, you're probably not going to invest in a motocross quad. That's right. that. That's kind of my my theory. We need places to ride at, and 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 these kids, 
are not going to buy or, you know, because how many people are going to go to the nationals six, 700 or whatever the numbers are. But I think if we got grassroots going again, where, where somebody like me or somebody like um, my brother's kid could go within an hour, you know, or, or within two hours or, you know, and make it a weekend thing. I think that would build races at a local level and then therefore would build the nationals. Yes, I agree. We've lost, we've lost some of the grassroots and I think we've lost some of the grassroots because of, you know, Oh, I got to have a quad like that to race. No, you need to have a quad to race period. You can go, which here again, the transition to it would be, very difficult and and the first few years would get hard because people would would buck the system but once everybody got used to hey this is what you do at the entry level this is what you do at the next level this is what you do at the next level it's kind of like if you look at the college students that come out of college now and they go hey i want to be ceo uh <laughs> what have what have wow. you done you got to well i always talk about yeah I always talk about credentials. I say it all the time. I, I, I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but I, and I know I don't want to be judgmental and stuff, but I, and I don't want to not respect you, but if, if you haven't done anything, it's really hard to take somebody's word on, on, on an opinion. Yep. <laughs> and that most of these college professors have never worked in the world, so they don't right. get work ethic. They don't right. get the blood, sweat, and tears that it takes to learn a trade. Um, I, I seen something in the news here recently that a company started talking to some of their older employees and listening to what they had to say and then talking to the, the recruits they were bringing in, the young college people. And they realized that their company was was spiraling negatively because the college students didn't know how to run the company, didn't know how to do things. You look at you look at UPS, FedEx, um, the postal service. Well, maybe just UPS and FedEx. You look at the quality of their customer service has dropped because all the people running it are all college graduates that have never worked for a living. They're not the guy that's delivered the package. They're not the guy that's loaded the truck They need, or, or the guy that's out delivering it. They need those guys running the company because the other guys don't have a clue. Man, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I'm a huge, and don't even get me started, but I'm just, I'm, I'm huge into that. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a college guy, but you know, um, Beth's big, she's a big education person and I'm not against it, but what, what you said is a hundred percent true. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if, if you make a million dollars a year and it costs you a million dollars and $1 to do it, you're still in the red. So, you know, let me interrupt you for a second. It's got to make sense at the end of the day. Let me ask you a question. Do you or did you not get an education in business in your life? I got an amazing education. Okay. So 
So because you went to an accredited school that's sucking the lifeblood, and I shouldn't go here, uh, but just because you go to a, an accredited school and they give you a piece of paper at the end, did you get an education? Did you get an education? Because can you go from that piece of paper school to a job and do the job? Probably not. Sometimes you can't. You know, sometimes maybe you can. I mean, I know you can't go. Wait, the- you're not going to replace. You're not going to replace. Um, the word I'm looking for is, is experience. You can't replace experience. Period. I, I knew a guy that went to the motorcycle institute school out here yeah. in, in Arizona. Yeah, and 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 he wasn't a crude mechanic. He was. He was okay. He was semi-knowledgeable. I mean, he wasn't, wasn't great, but with guidance, he could do the job. He went to that school, graduated, and he was impossible to work with afterwards. <laughs> I love it. I, listen, this is, this is a true story. Everybody who comes to my shop to TIGWeld and that has been to a TIGWelding school, we, we just laugh. We're like, there's the door. Like, they they don't teach these kids. They don't teach these people how to literally do a good job and run a nice bead. And they, they can't. They they graduate and they they can't. They're dangerous. They they're gonna ruin your company if you let them. If you let them. Right. So I like to get people who know absolutely nothing. And get them running the bandsaw or get them running, you know, the, the tube and polisher or, or cutting coping tubes or doing something and and work them up and, and get them tacking stuff and get them around it. And, and, you know, it's funny. I went skydiving. It's a whole other story. But I was like petrified when I went uh, when I was going and um, I got there and uh, I see these people falling from the sky. And uh, then everything started to feel normal. So it's like you get these people in the in the shop environment. You get them around these people that are good TIG welders, and you breed you you breed good TIG welders. You know, but but you got to put the time in. And so I know exactly where you're coming from. It's uh, you know, and I'm not. Well, I'm, not a, I'm not a welder. I'm a glue it together guy. I mean, I I get the bad TIG welding. You know, I'm gonna have to do a little bit of it, and and I can't weld aluminum to save my life. But I, I do okay on certain types of metals. I don't I don't understand it well enough because I'm self taught. You know, to, to right. the portion done that I need. Um, I do love watching somebody that knows how to weld, and it's just it's beautiful. Yeah, um, I, 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 I'm funny because I, I, I love TIG. Like TIG is an art. I mean, wire feed's fun and, and you can make it look good, but I, I grew up, I mean, I mean, literally when I say that, you know, I was TIG welding at 13 years old, that's literally what was going on. But I, I just like it. It's an art form. It's what I do. It's kind of who I am. But um, yeah. Can I, ask I, you, can I ask you a welding question? Sure. 
did you learn how to gas weld to learn how to TIG or did you no. just jump right into TIG welding? No. And it's funny. No, I, I had a, a Miller 250. I was dad's welder. It was his rig. And that stayed around for a very short amount of time. And he bought a Miller 351 with a pulse arc. And that was when the pulse arc just, just started coming out. And I was the only, I think I was the only one pulse. I've, I've, I never seen welds like that in my life. And I, you know, I'd weld all night. I'd weld, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd weld up to 12 o'clock at night and I'd go to Taco Bell and, and eat and come home and sleep and, you know, get up and do it again. I mean, the stories are kind of crazy of how the whole deal worked out, but no, I, I, I didn't gas welding gas. It's funny you say gas welding because I, I do like general aviation a lot. And, um, one of the AMPs is, uh, he, he bleeds ga gas welding, you know, because that's what the 4130 chromoly gas welded, um, together. Uh, it actually anneals the joint and everything like that because of the way you cherry the, uh, the metal when you weld it. Um, so it's stress relieved and everything where TIG welding's a little bit different, a lot different actually. But no, I to answer the question, no, I didn't. And I actually grew up on a pulse arc, which we actually don't we got all we took all the pulse pulsing out of the shop now and we have no more pulse arc, which is funny because it's kind of a reverse situation. Like but yeah, so we're just standard Miller. We run all Miller stuff. I got a couple dynasties and a, a bunch of uh, synchro waves. Um, I use the dynasties for the aluminum. They do a better job, in my opinion, a lot better job on the aluminum than, uh, than the, um, the synchro waves. But on steel, synchro wave, they'll run right there with it. I, I, lo I, lo I love... Uh, the Millers are nice. That's awesome. Mike, I want to thank you so much for taking the time uh, with ATV Talk. Uh, the conversation's been awesome. I would like to extend the invitation to have you come back uh, in the future so that we could talk more because I know that there's even more stories and more things that we can talk about. But uh, I know that I've taken up more time than either one of us probably expected I would. Um, and, and the conversation was excellent and I really appreciate, um, you reaching out and uh, allowing this to happen. Yeah, I, man, I, I'm, I feel like we bleed the same blood and, um, we're just from different coasts. Um, like I said, I looked up to you guys as a company and I still do. And, um, and I'm uh, honored to be on the show and I'd love to do a follow-up, um, we can work on some new material and maybe in six months or something, or whenever you got an open spot, we can, we can hit it again, maybe um, come up with some different material and, uh, and uh, touch on some different things because there's just so much stuff out there to touch on. Well, I'd love to, I would love to get a little more deep in, into uh, racing, actual you racing conversation and get some of those stories because um you do have a deep history in it. A lot of people don't know that. I've, I, I've done a little bit of research, which, uh, to be honest with you, I do not as much as I should. But <laughs> I, 
I actually, yeah. I actually did a little bit more research for this with you because you are who you are and uh, nothing against anybody else that I talked to. It, it just, um, right. um, I wanted to be prepared for the conversation and, and have knowledge about who you are and, and some of the things that you have done. And um, it, it, it's, it's not like I'm talking to myself, but I'm talking to somebody that understands me and understands where I come from. And, and uh, we, we can relate on a personal level and on a business level on so many levels we can relate. And that's, that's something you don't find every day, really, yes. you know, it, you, you know, so yeah, no, I'm honored to be, be on the show and, uh, and I'm getting more into this and I, I watch, um, I don't watch them all, but I do watch the people that I know that you do do the podcast with. Um, and I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. I really enjoy Thomas's. I told Beth, I said, man, that was, that was great. That because the way he grew up racing and where he went and how he finished, it was really touching to me because that's like you said, we can relate, you know? So and, uh, you know, I watched the Joe Bird one because Joe and me are, are good friends and um, a lot of history there. So, but I knew most of the Joe one. So that wasn't as entertaining for me because I pretty much knew most of the stuff. Right. But, um, well, he's got a stuff second. I didn't know. He's got, Joe's got a second one coming because. Does he? I enjoyed, yeah. I, I really enjoyed uh, talking with him. He, he was a lot of fun, you know. Yeah, Joe's a character, man. He you can't you could take a lot of things away from Joe, but you cannot take away Joe's a character. And Joe has done a lot in the sport. He he yeah. he's done a lot in life. I mean, he's a he's an amazing pilot. Like, you know, there's very talented guy. Um a lot of history there. So I really appreciate it. Um, Lenny, and uh, I wish you guys all the best uh, on the West Coast. Well, I thank you very much. And and just so you know, the ATV talk thing is just a labor of love for the industry and for people right. like myself to get the story out. Um, you know, it, it's my daughter, Valeria, does all the editing and helps me. And um, her sister, Paula, is actually, the, they're the two reasons that this all started. That's a long story, but, um, you know, it, it took right. years of developing and pushing to get me to even think about it. And, um, once we got started, here we are and, uh, uh we're rolling. And, um, I, I think you're aware we started, uh, this year. I know it's only a couple of days in, but we've started dropping episodes on, on Fridays as well. And we're doing a, a thing called inspired that'll drop every other Monday. I saw that. And, 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 uh, our first guest will be Mike Pinlin, um, on the inspired. Okay, yeah. I heard this. Yeah. So that's I, awesome. He's I've talked to, uh, I have some, uh, military friends and I have some, uh, police and fire that I'm talking to as well. That'll come on. Um, some people in the physical fitness industry, just people that, that have touched my life. Um, and, and I think that their stories need to be told as well. Yeah, no, I think what you're doing is, is awesome. And, uh, 
I'm proud. I'm proud to be a part of it. And um, I, let's keep this thing. Let's keep it rolling. Well, I'll get with you again and, and make sure you thank Beth for uh, helping us. Yeah, I will. And I really appreciate that. And we'll get that. We'll get that uh, video shot. Um, the ATV talk video and send it to you. Sounds great, bud. Thanks again. And thank All you right. so much. You have a great thank one. You. I'll be reaching All out right. for you for the second episode. Awesome. We'll, we'll be waiting. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858-571-0160. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time. <laughs>